0: Hello and welcome to Wait, What? The bonus round today. Graham McMillan is kind enough to try and educate me about Britpop, while I try not to bust along laughing. No comics were harmed in the making of this podcast, or mentioned for that matter. So we're including this strictly as a bonus for those of you who might enjoy this sort of thing. Thanks for listening.
1: Hey Oasis, well, Noel's left now. It's the end of an era.
0: Yes, the end of a really dumb era. <laughs> Is like, yeah, I, didn't
1: say, I didn't say it was a good hero, I just said it was the end of an hero, okay?
0: Yeah, 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 and I agreed with you, but I, I then went on to clarify for you, because yeah, I was kind of like, oh, look at Grammy's talking about it, and I do love, actually, that blog entry about about Oasis was great, because you're like, they were there, weren't they? <laughs> exactly,
1: but that's the thing, if you like, there's like and I own every single Oasis album, even the Oasis. <laughs> <things. laughs> but I couldn't honestly say I like them as a
0: band. Uh, it's a crazy thing. I know, I know. It's one of the reasons why I think I'm always so... Sus- I can't help it. Anything that, that anyone's... Whenever people start talking about Britpop, I just always get suspicious because the fact that they oh, got all these... The,
1: but Britpop is so much better than Oasis. <laughs> like, Oasis is, like, the worst part of Britpop imaginable.
0: Yes, but it, of course, because it ended up being the biggest, you know, uh, most um, unignorable part of Britpop, you know, it kind of, it, it, everything else gets sort of tarred by association. So it is really hard. I mean, I know, of course, because there's, there's lots of other brilliant stuff that gets mentioned, but whenever people break it out, I'm like, no, you guys... You know, you, you guys went crazy for Oasis, you know? Yeah, it's like have, I, to, have
1: I never discussed, like, the evolution of Britpop? That it starts as Britpop and ends up as dad rock? And that's actually the terms that the music press in Britain were using at the time. So, <laughs> dad- like, Brit- yeah, the, the Britpop starts and Britpop's, like, suede, into blur, into pulp. And then there's, like, that offshoot where it's, like, good-looking men in smart suits with haircuts. Doing songs influenced by the small faces and the kinks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's like one offshoot. And then you've got like your menswear, and then you get into bands like, you know, Alaska, who are doing their own thing that's influenced by Wire, and you've got Sleeper, and you've got all those bands. And then parallel to that, you've got Oasis, who are doing like lumping <laughs> parodies of the Beatles. I mean, my favorite thing about the oasis ever it's Grant Morrison's comment in a letter called the invisibles where he said they're the ruttles for the 90s and he's yes. entirely right <laughs> and the best part was he was then like but well, there's nothing wrong with that and again entirely right if you, if you want the ruttles for the 90s there they are but that stuff that's the called dad rock because it was people who wanted to make the music that your father was listening to and make it sound just like the music your father was listening to, using the same instruments as the music that your father was listening to, and it got called Dad Rock, and that's what Oasis, like Oasis, Paul Weller, that whole thing,
0: uh huh, uh huh, that
1: that was Dad Rock, and that's, oh, that's what it just... ended up taking over. But yeah, Dad Rock is what it ended up being called.
0: Hmm. Yes. Well, <laughs> Dad Rock is it's worth knowing uh, because it was big, and uh, to to return to my original point. Honestly, um, taking music advice from people in the UK after Oasis had swept everyone and everything and everywhere was, for me, it would be like taking uh, advice on where to attend church from somebody who had just drowned a witch. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like, you guys were just hysterical. I don't think that there was any bit of sense about it.
1: After Oasis, you then got, like britain feeling guilty about oasis and being like <laughs> radiohead <laughs> and it's like really you're going from one extreme to the other <laughs> <laughs> well like that, I... that, was, that was the collective of britain suddenly feels it should be a bit more arty and it's like no stop it or, or like, like... deverve or travis or mm-hmm. who the for travis coldplay uh,
0: james and then coldplay
1: yeah and it was like really Mm-hmm. Really, you're going for co-play? That's honestly where you're going. It just, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's it went horribly wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was terrible. Well, and I mean, in theory, you could also say that because uh, I, I would think that the sort of um, grunting hormonal excrescence of Oasis sort of helped, you know, launch the the Spice Girls as some sort of like you know antidote to that sort of like. Here's music that's just as stupid, but by women you know what
1: I mean it's <laughs> okay <laughs> but um no but I mean it's just I, I I don't know I mean Oasis really was something that if you lived through I, I don't <laughs> and I mean it like that like, no I know I took it like can't, that can't really hate them either like you're you, your in is weird it's like we're like you're affectionate towards them pretty much because it reminds you of being young. That's it.
0: I'm, I'm, I know. (laughs) I know, I know. It's hilarious. And that's what I love is, is reading in that column where you're like, I really can't hate them. I mean, I loathe them, but I can't hate them. And, uh,
1: I love that. But it was also like, so Asus had, like, the first album, and everyone was like, oh, they're a bit good. Then they have the second album, which is, like, the massive album that everyone has. And they marked it, like, everyone in Britain's bought it four times or something mm-hmm. ridiculous yeah. like that. Um, and then they have the third album where, like, basically they all took too much drugs and made this terrible album. And it's after that that it always got interesting, because about six months after the release of the album, Noel Gallagher goes on national radio and apologizes for the album. Like, seriously, he apologizes for the album and he's like, Yeah, this is terrible. I was just taking coke and I didn't believe what anyone was telling me. And people are saying maybe every song doesn't need to be seven minutes long and they were right. And I'm really, I mean, this th- third album is like more than an hour long and every song is like six minutes or longer. <laughs> seriously. Um, and so he goes on radio and he apologizes for this album, okay? After that, everyone in the band leaves. Apart from him, the drummer, and his brother. Mm-hmm. Okay? So he has to record this next album, which I swear to God has a song called Where Did It All Go Wrong on. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't even hide it that much. <laughs> <laughs> he has a song called Where Did It All Go Wrong? It's, it's so great. Uh, <laughs> Literally, you uh, not his career. You couldn't. No one would believe you.
0: Yeah, no, I know. Well, because it, because it, I don't know. Well, that's it because it really seems like it seems it's impossible that top. anyone could do Spinal Tap after Spinal Tap came out. And that's the miracle of Oasis is Oasis was a, was a band that somehow managed to watch Spinal Tap and then go out and live that and have no awareness. Like that's how completely unaware Oasis was. And that's that's the beauty of it is really, you know, I mean, it's. It's oh there's I don't know I I will stop stretching for the really bad analogies but um but yeah it really oh gosh oasis is 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 I mean you know because we're reading the news stories thanks to the miracle of you know half of the gossip that you read online or anything is all imported over from the Brits you know it's it's like you're you're reading about the the Gallagher brothers like fighting and slamming each other and it's just it really is absurd. You really do expect it to, to you know, that they, they really, you expect them to unironically have Stonehenge drop onto the stage of one of their shows and have it be 18 inches high. I mean, it really was amazing.
1: I mean, something you got to remember is Noel Gallagher has left Oasis more than once. I know. I know. I'd like to be back this time as well. There's no way he's going to stay away because he has no other career.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I'm kind of like, it survived Noel Gallagher leaving, it survived Liam Gallagher. You know, I think what they should do, and this is kind of what I'm hoping, is that they should, like, that this is all a ruse and they're actually planning, you know, with like Sky 1 or Sky 2 to do a reality show. About the reforming of Oasis, where it's like American Idol, where like they get together and they recruit members, and then you know the gal, it, and every episode ends with like the Gallagher brothers like punching, you know, like punching each other in slow motion in a gutter somewhere. It would be great.
1: There is, um, and I'm sure on the internet you can find this probably very easily. Um, in the height of Oasis Mania in Britain, there was a single put out called "Wibbling Rivalry," which is. <laughs> An interviewer managed to record five minutes of Nola Gallagher, and Liam, having a fight, and it's just fight. Um, And it's it's so funny because literally in the middle of it, both of them just start shouting at each other. It's the music, as if that proves both of their (laughs) points. Like you've got to go to BitTart or something and try finding this because it really is in fact if it's not on hype machine right now someone should put it on But um, it's the funniest thing literally it's like five minutes of them just fighting and like this was before this is like when they've been going on for like two years God knows what they're like now what their fights are like now
0: oh god Graham this is just terrible Oasis is like the worst thing in the world and like all all of your compatriots—it's like your entire country was sniffing glue for like five years. It's just terrible. It's just terrible.
1: But hey, come on! America <laughs> has given us their fair share of terrible pop music as well that everyone fell for.
0: I, I don't know. I, I always see this is this is see, the I, difference, and maybe it's maybe America, it's the size America, of I numbers. Like, yeah,
1: America as a country can has never fallen for a band the same way that Britain falls for bands.
0: Well, and that's and that's what I think is the difference. Maybe it's just the large amount of numbers. It's like no matter what's incredibly stupid and embarrassing, there's a huge contingent that is, uh, in America that is embarrassed by it while it's happening. But oh, yeah.
1: Well, some people were embarrassed by Oasis while it was happening as well. It's just yes, that... I
0: know. While they were buying their fourth copy of <laughs> exactly, the album. Exactly. Yes.
1: <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, I swear to God, it was such a weird thing because Britpop was actually weirdly uniting and divisive at the time mm-hmm. and i mean there was a big fight and no one believes this now but like if you were in your 20s in, in like 1995 or whenever it was mm-hmm. uh, the blur versus oasis feud like yes. people got, got physically violent about it because <laughs> the fans were releasing a single on the same day
0: I know I have actually the worst part is I've read this on Wikipedia uh, I don't remember how or where I ended up reading about this and I swear to god I honestly thought that they were making this up this whole <laughs> no. like and the this best is like
1: of- it was it was arguably both bands worst single ever <laughs> and I, I like to point out, I bought both <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I was Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> I got both on the same day, uh, uh, I I got uh, Blur's Country House, which won. It got to number one. Uh, and always- oh, right,
0: wasn't there some bet or something where like one didn't 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 the Gallagher's say that they would break up if Blur's album hit number one before theirs did, or.
1: I can't even remember this, but that was that was around the time that No Gal said that he hoped that Dan and Alex from Blur died of AIDS.
0: Yes. And,
1: and strangely enough, people were upset. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Why anyone would be upset at that. Um but yeah, so and then because of that, the best part was do you know what the world got out of that whole thing? What? They got little Gallagher covering You've Got to Hide Your Love Away for World AIDS Day that December. Oh, that's That, right. that was his apology. His apology was he covered that song and it went on radio. <laughs> I swear, that's the way we thought back then, Jeff. <laughs> we were like, he said this terrible thing, but he's recorded a Beatles cover. Fair play to him. <laughs> that's just how it worked. You weren't there, man. You don't understand.
0: You don't understand, man. <laughs> Charlie was behind every playlist! Yeah, oh my god, Graham, it was, this is hilarious. It was, it was
1: so terrible and yet wonderful at the same time. There, There's really, unless you were living there during it and of the age to, like, legitimately care about, you know, what was number one in the charts at the time, which in Britain, of course, means anywhere between, like, 10 and, like, 50, because... yes. You know, everyone cares about pop music in Britain. It's a really crazy thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, like, unless, unless you cared and, le- and, like, were there during it, you're like, I think everyone was on crack. I think for those, like, three years, everyone's on crack. But Britpop in general is yeah. fascinating. You've got, besides all that, you've then got, like, 1997, after everyone's had their really big hits and their really big albums, mm-hmm. they all come back with these, oh, shit, we never wanted to become famous albums. Right. All of them. Blurs, Blur is pretty much a, a complete come down album. Supergrass is in it for the money again, mm-hmm. a complete come down album. Pop does this is hardcore, which literally, like, is I never wanted to become famous. I fucked up my life. Yeah, and it's all this amazing music came from it.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, no, like uh...
1: legitimately interesting music came from mm-hmm. the fact that all of them did this like retro pop, became really famous, and then were like, we don't actually know know what to do next, and this isn't like we thought it was going to be
0: which is hilarious because it's kind of like, what did you only listen to the first four Beatles albums? I mean, you know, it's kind of that thing of like, I guess that's what always struck me is, and maybe it's just, just the fact that I, I'm, you know, a, a little bit older, but you know, it's not like that's exactly new news. It's, like it's anyone not, who paid. I know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the best part was like, um, the Boo Radleys who were uh, at the end, like a, a fairly minor Britpop act. Um, mm-hmm. For years and years and years before Britpop were doing what were Beatles pastiches mm-hmm. uh, with no success. Then Britpop happens and they do this ridiculously like optimistic, almost Beatles parody album called Wake Up Boo that's very chirpy and like, you'll hear this on the radio at 8.30 in the morning and go to work with a smile on your face. Mm-hmm. And it's really popular. And then they do a follow-up called Come On Kids, which mm-hmm. is like, what if the Beatles joined up with the Sex Pistols and dropped Acid? And it's it's awesome. Like, it's a really good album, and it's probably the best thing they ever did. And no one fucking bought it. At all. Like, it tanked so badly. And, like, the comeback single was... I think the comeback single might even have been... Come on, kids. No, it was What's in the Box. And in the, the song lyrics themselves, they're talking about how, like, kids, you've got to listen to this new sound, you can't just listen to all this retro shit. And... The kids quite clearly listen to it. And they're like, "No, we'll stick with the retro shit. Thanks. <laughs> we, we, we don't want yourself, no, nah, no. Nah. You know, Oasis is still here. We'll help them."
0: Yeah, well, and and again, to me, that's the miracle of it because there is something because everyone pays attention. Oh no, you know, maybe things have changed now, um, but it just seems to me like there's there's something that's so hilarious about people who have to justify what they're listening to I mean like every once in a while you can pull out the guilty pleasure card but a lot of people really do I mean I think that's the thing that's sort of frustrating and sad and hilarious to me about watching people talk about pop music in Britain is ultimately watching them try and justify the unjustifiable you know repeatedly I mean there's times when it really is good stuff and it's great but it's you know it's just like most pop Uh, ephemera I think is is that sadly a lot of times what what rises to the top is you know this strange elemental you know mix of like luck and talent and where the you know where the the culture's at at the time but it can be completely insipid and and sometimes celebrated for its utter insipidity um, if that 's a word and and what 's great is is seeing people then try and justify it because it's kind of it's not there 's a lot of people who can 't just say, Well, I like it because I like it and that 's what always appalled me was watching a music writer have to try and defend Oasis in you know two thousand words during the course of a profile, and i 'd just be like, You people are on crack because I mean that was that was that 's what I loved about Oasis is they were nearly indefensible. Well,
1: uh, have you, you of course have never bought an Oasis album, have you?
0: I have not. No, and I mean, I, I certainly admit the, to the re- downloading... No, the, re- the reason I say this is um,
1: next time you're anywhere near a record store, go and find <laughs> a copy of uh, What's the Story of Morning Glory and open it up because What's mm-hmm. the Story of Morning Glory comes with an essay about the album within the album as part of the packaging.
0: Oh my god.
1: Which is the most overwritten thing that has ever existed in the world.
0: See, Graham, if you needed to kill me, if you needed to kill me dead... All you need to do is get someone that's like my green kryptonite. You could just open up what's the story of morning glory kind of like they'd always open up the lead box in those Superman stories and I would just suddenly weaken and topple over and you can just fine. read the first couple of lines from it and I'd be, you know, withering and visibly like w- sweating and things. Sadly be- it is
1: nowhere near where I am right now otherwise I try and read it because um
0: <laughs> <it's-> <laughs> Let's see, can I find it
1: online? Because it really is.
0: Oh, I'm sure somebody must have... It's, it's got to be oh, like, it's, like a it's, Lovecraft manuscript where people just keep typing it and going insane but trying to, you know...
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. you see, you yeah. say that, but really you haven't had, you don't actually know what it is. Like, <laughs> I, I have to...
0: Who wrote it? Who wrote the essay? Do you remember?
1: Uh, it was a music writer of the time. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was, um, it was Paul Weller's Publicist. <laughs> like was a former music critic, so that's why
0: I got it mixed up. Was, was Kylie Minogue's Waxer, like, unavailable or something? Well, that's this, hilarious.
1: This is the time where Paul Weller's publicist was, like, um, really... Well, Paul Weller himself was, like, really popular again. Paul Weller had managed to mm-hmm. recycle Dear Prudence by the Beatles into a career. Uh <laughs> I'm not joking. So Paul Weller did like three comeback albums at this time. Okay, He did um, one called Paul Weiler, then one called Wildwood, then one called Stanley Road. Mm. Each of those albums has a song on it which is pretty much exactly the same song. <laughs> and, and each of these songs is Dear Prudence by the Beatles.
0: Oh man, just but with different
1: not, lyrics Dear, or something? Is Dear Prudence by the Beatles crossed with the, um, what is it, 15038 Overture by ELO? I'm not joking. I swear <laughs> to God, put <laughs> those together, and he made three different songs, each of which was a single. Each
0: of which <sighs> got like. <50. laughs> I may not make it to the end of your sentence. I'm sorry. What was that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember the first one. Okay, the second one was Sunflower. The third one was The Changing Man, and I swear to God, they're the same song. <laughs> you have you. Oh, I, I may have to, like, send these to you so you can edit them in. Let's we'll this on sort a of podcast. Just, like, the 20-minute discussion of Britpop will just have to release, like, yeah. a, a podcast just for the sake of it. But I'll have to send you these songs so you can edit them in and hear what I mean. They're the same song, Jeff!
0: Oh yeah, you have to do this, because I'm dying here. This is like, <laughs> this is hilarious. This We can have this as a bonus track to anyone who survives us talking about comic books.
1: I, <sighs> such, I'm having such problem finding this essay. for I, to I told up. you,
0: it's totally, it's like those Lovecraft things. People start typing it and then they go insane and get ripped apart by invisible creatures and stuff. Uh, oh man... Oh wait, is it?
1: Have I found it? No I haven't. That's very, very sad. I found someone else's terrible blog intro about it, which I thought was the same (laughs) stuff.